Hello and welcome to the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. My name is Luke Burridge and this is a show where I review every single science fiction book that I read, at least that I finish. Uh, there's no set schedule, it's just whenever I finish a book, um, I do the review, stick it up here on the podcast feed for everyone to download and listen to. Uh, joining me today, like normal, is Juliana. Say hello, Juliana. Hello, everyone. And uh, we are continu- continuing uh, with, our, with our series. You remember what the series that we're continuing with? Is there, is there one series? What kind of series is there? The series is, is how many uh, filler novels can Luke read before Juliana <laughs> finishes Absolution Gap by Alistair Reynolds so then Luke can yes. talk about it with Juliana and then move on and read Inhibitor Phase by <clears throat> Alistair Reynolds. Now, yes. no slight against you. Um, Alistair Reynolds himself, I think I read in a blog post, once said that Absolution Gap was his biggest novel and he had to tone it down a bit after doing oh, that because yes. it's like really chunky. There's a lot of things. There's a lot going of going on, on there. Yeah. So I've been uh, I've been finding other... I keep thinking, well, I don't want to start like another big book. I just want to short, like get, get some of these shorter books in. Yeah. You know, some... Yeah you know, 10-hour audiobooks maybe that I can listen to while do it. And I'm, and I'm now up to my fifth novel. That's, um, that's since, a theme. Since Juliana, uh, since I finished uh, Absolution Gap by Alistair Reynolds and Juliana, well, you you must be at like 90% of the way yeah, through now. 80, 80, 85. 85%. 80s, so 90, it's, it's going to happen in the next few days, I'm does, sure. It does, absolutely. Um, so I will get to that. I haven't finished five novels, though. I will, though, finish three novels by the time that you finish uh, that one. But I started some of them. Okay. I just want to go through this. Um, so I made some notes here. So I did finish and review Quarter Share yes. by something, someone, someone. I can't remember the name of that. And then someone said, hey, what you should do is read We Are Satellites by Sarah Pinsker. Uh, we Are Satellites was one of the books that people mentioned on the uh, books I would like to see reviewed thread on the SFBRP listener group on goodreads.com. Did you, do you keep track of that? Do you yeah, ever sometimes look, that? look at it. Anyway, so someone said, hey, you, you, I, I think you should read this. Someone else says, yes, I would recommend this too. I started reading it. It's about some kind of brain thing that you can some kids get and it makes them be able to concentrate. I think it's sort of stopped them. Well, it, it's not against AD&D, like, uh, you know, what is it, attention deficit disorder yeah. what is it whatever it is yeah, yeah like it, do you know what AD, just, yes. adhd stands for yeah i know i mean it's no i don't it, know it's it not exactly. against that but it works with that so that somebody can not they're concentrating lots of things but they can actually multitask and actually concentrate on different things and this book sounds like it might be interesting and it's like this near future thing and it just wasn't working for me at all okay it's all it's all set within one family and the kid gets it done and then there's this subplot or the, I, maybe it's the main plot is that one of the kids is being bullied at school and the, the parents go in and talk to the teacher at school about the bullying mm. and then there's drama between the family members and then somebody else wants one of these pilots put in their head mm. and and uh, I don't know it's like everything it's like you know what I was saying before about quarter share how it has it wasn't even attempting to have any fake drama in it yeah this was the opposite it's sort of oh, like no. this is really dramatic and I was like it's not really dramatic it's just like a misunderstanding with a child and bullying at school mm. like it happens to everything like that that isn't enough drama meanwhile there's this like world-changing thing where kids are having like brain surgery to make them into super learning children okay and i kind of find that really wasn't working for uh, me at all okay. really wasn't working for me yeah and unfortunately mm. um the audiobook narrator wasn't doing any favors it wasn't bad but i just didn't do it. so I, I moved on and i read the book that we're going to re- review now and then i also I finished that one and i tried nemesis by isaac asimov and the only reason i got that as an audiobook is because uh it came free with um 
with the uh, absolution gap it was like this two for one spend a credit on audible okay and just was, happened to it happened be there uh, absolution gap happened to be in this pool of books that you could put two for one and right. i looked through all the other books in that pool of books and there was only one other science fiction book that i hadn't read which was nemesis by isaac asimov so i tried that and wow the world has moved on a lot since 1989 it's like one of his last books okay it is it is totally written by a 90 year old man in 1989 who hasn't really moved on in terms of science fiction yeah. or in terms of politics or society anything like that it was mostly um what maybe I'll, can i find a goodreads review about it let me just say find it here um yeah, I said, uh, the world has moved on a lot. Uh, this isn't what I want my science fiction in to include. Characters self-knowingly getting into drama just to make conflict p- for plot purposes. Two, strong sexism plus weird gaslighting of women. It was just really weird. And then three, nonsense-seeming science and things. So, um, And then the worst thing is that the audiobook narrator a lot of the book just revolves around conversations between two people. Oh, yeah. And to make it very important sounding, all of the conversations are at this level. And then the other person replies back. And then I will talk to you about it. And I was like, oh, it's just it's oh. just stressful. Yeah. You know, sometimes a conversation can have a lot of drama, yeah. but like but at a really goes, low level. But then also it goes down again. Yeah. And that's what I notice a lot with other forms of entertainment. Yes. You need to have ups and downs yeah. to enjoy the ups and the downs. Yeah. I mean, it just and, reminds uh, me of... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Carry on. Uh, and um, uh, I have just a random example of that. We once yeah. went... I once went with my mum to an opera. Yeah. Um, Der Rosenkavalier von yeah. Richard Strauss. And um, I'm really not a fan because it is continuously on such a high level, like all the like the music. There's no pause. It's always going like it's this. All it's always like this. Go, 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 yeah. go. <laughs> I was like, oh, and it's like a what is it, five, five hours, six hours opera. You just yeah. can't do it. But so, sometimes I just want the subtlety. Like yeah. I want like yeah. the words that somebody says to the other person is enough. That's mm. why I read a book. That's why the words on the page are enough. It doesn't, like, sometimes the acting can elevate it. You know, I was saying about that with Piranesi. Yeah. An audiobook so good, I just went back and listened to it again, even though I, you know, the book itself wasn't fantastic. The audiobook was worth listening to again. Yeah. But that takes that takes acting and that takes subtlety. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes, it's very tricky to do that. I mean, we were just watching Ted Lasso last night and there's just a conversation between two people who are in a relationship and they both just say three sentences to each other and then just turn and look at the camera like, oh, they were talking they're really looking quietly. At, yeah, yeah. This is a very meaningful conversation that they're yeah. having in their in their relationship, and they're having an adult conversation. And they're just they, you know, so far they've learned that when they don't tell each other things, mm. like when they don't fully communicate, it holds them back, and they get annoyed with each other. And they're like, okay, let's just both put it all on the just table. Put it all on the table yeah. this way. And they put it all on the table, and then they look towards the camera. I mean, there's a photo shoot going on. They look towards the camera of the photo shoot, and you and you're just like, oh, uh. maybe sometimes you don't need maybe you shouldn't just tell each other everything in a relationship but they that's the that's the lesson that they've learned from every episode so far yeah is that every time someone one of them hasn't communicated with the other it's led to drama yes. and this they're like okay we've now learned what we need to do is always just fully communicate with each other yeah. and they did and you're like maybe that will lead to drama or maybe it won't maybe i don't know what's going to well, happen in the final see. episode of ted lasso but yeah that's what i do, what i don't want is people not communicating with each other and that's where the drama comes from and mm. then not learning from it anyway yeah. so not that so the other book that i did read uh, i did get all the way through book number four since uh, i finished uh, it was since i finished absolution gap and yes. juliana is still reading it is um the postman by david brin 
Okay. Uh, I have read this book before. Right. It was a... Uh, let, let me quickly pop over here to the Goodreads page. Um, it was a nominated as a Hugo Award for Best Novel in 1986. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, also no, ne- uh, nominated for the Nebula Award. And it won the Locus Award for Best Science Fiction Novel in 1986. Okay. And it won the John... W. Campbell Memorial Award for Best Science Fiction Novel in 1986 and the SF Chronicle Award nominee. So, you know, very well regarded at the time. It made, it made all the lists of books which we now ignore and say, oh, I can't be bothered to read those books. Did you uh, just mention when it was written? 1986. I kept on saying Hugo Award nominee oh. for Best Novel 1986. Oh. Nebula Award nominee for Best Novel 1986. I was distracted by the, the cover art that is displayed in the ah. Goodreads page. And I thought, hmm, that looks like a movie. And it then is I a thought, movie. I have a movie in my head, but somehow that's like a romantic movie. No, it's also it's also a movie. Oh, it's also later it was yeah. made into a movie. I'm okay. not going to be discussing the movie, right? Because I remember watching it and thinking, "Wow, that is not the book that I remember." Reading. Okay, okay. Because <laughs> I definitely read. I definitely remember watching the movie, and I'm like, "How are they going to do the ending to this?" Because like, well, let me explain. And I didn't realize this at the time, the right. first time I read it. And I didn't even realize it. It wasn't clear to me now the second time that I've read it. I, I guess I first read it in the 1980s, uh, 1990s. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and now I'm reading it again. It was part of the Audible Free Library. I'm like, hey, David Brin, Postman, I have good memories of this book. Mm-hmm. Will it hold up? You know, talking about Nemesis written in 1989. Is this <laughs> book written in 1986? Uh, 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 well, it first published in 1985. Oh, okay. Uh, was nominated, as old as I am. Yeah, no, yeah so, so as old as you are. Um, and then this version published in 1997, I guess, because that's got Kevin Costner on the front cover and it's The Postman and it's got this big American flag there. Yes. Um, so this is a, a post-apocalyptic uh, setup, a post-apocalyptic world. Reminded me very much of the Kim Stanley Robinson book, which is about from the same area you know that kind of thing oh well, there's going to be nuclear bombs drop and then there's going to be some kind of nuclear winter and people are going to go through um you know going to go through it and then there's going to be some kind of burgeoning civilization or what's what remains of civilization afterwards yeah i read lots of books like this before right um i've reviewed quite a lot of them as well <laughs> yes. for this uh uh, for this science fiction book review podcast, like, you know, The Wild Shore and what are some of the Alas Babylon. Um, uh, there's other books as well. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of some other books which are like post-apocalyptic. post-apocalyptic. Po- uh, like nuclear war post-apocalyptic. Post-apocalyptic in the United States specifically. Yes, and very American. And okay. that's a lo- all of these books feel very American post-apocalypse mm. science fiction. Yeah. Um, and, but this is slightly more gentle than others, but really not. I listened to the <laughs> author's introduction to this one, David okay. Brin, because right, this is a new recording that they've done like in 2020 okay. as an audiobook. Yeah. And they've already got David Brin to write, a, you know, three minutes worth of audio for the start of it. And he said that like when I wrote this book, it was kind of a reaction against like the mad maxification of mm. post-apocalypse. Like it's, yeah. ev- everything's violent. Everyone's, you know, it, it, it's really like dystopian post-apocalyptic. And he wanted some hope in it. And he also wanted it to be when, you know, as it made into a Kevin Costner movie, he really wanted to focus on the, like the hopefulness of it rather mm. than like Waterworld, which is just dumb action, which Waterworld is, 
is Mad Max on Water. We oh, watched yeah. that a few yeah, years yeah. ago. Um, <laughs> a lot of it holds up. That's a really amazing movie if you're only looking at the set design and the action sequences. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. You just drop everything else yeah. out of your but brain. Forget about the plot. Forget about the script. Forget about the characters. Yeah. But it looks amazing. Yeah. You totally understand why it's the most money-losing movie in history or whatever. <laughs> you know, one of the big... Because they built all the sets and they burnt down they rebuilt them all. All of that money is on the screen. It looks fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like... Oh man, someone should have written a good script to go along with this, with these action sequences yes. and these uh, and these m- amazing set design. Yeah. Um, so, oh, uh, can I ask a yeah, question here? Yeah. Um, so, do you think um, books, uh, post-apocalyptic books, mm-hmm. um, had a like a renaissance in the eighties because of Cold War and this kind of like the threat, uh, the threat. No, the threat yeah. of um, of uh, atomic bombing. I wouldn't going say they on. had a renaissance. That was their peak. There you was know, a peak. The renaissance yeah. is only called the renaissance because we're like, hey, we're rediscovering like mm. Greek and Roman architecture and art, and like, the, look at these statues. Those statues yeah, yeah. are amazing. And then all the statues throughout medieval period are like, oh, <laughs> and they're like, hey, we've rediscovered art and perspective yeah. and um, so an engineering. No, but it's not that. It, okay. it's not that kind of thing. I don't think there is a renaissance. I think that is the peak. You okay. know, of the era of like the late 1960s through to the mid 1980s literally all the way up until 1989 yeah and then there's like a hard cutoff okay and uh, uh and yeah the, the post-apocalyptic post-nuclear apocalyptic stuff doesn't really I, i i don't think there has been a renaissance that is the peak right um i think now the um the dystopian fiction isn't post-apocalyptic it's all like post-cyberpunk you know like yeah. we we now like all of the dystopians like maybe some of them are post-apocalyptic yeah is hunger games post-nuclear war i don't i, I never even no, sure I like don't think, think, don't maybe think it so. is um but i think now uh the climate uh yeah. things are more the causing yeah. uh, uh apocalyptic that's where it's gonna go it's things. whatever whatever yeah. the main thing is so this book Uh, I was going to say this book. Uh, he he also uh, in the introduction said, "Look, I've actually adjusted some of this. I've changed some of it. I've not changed the story, not changed the characters, not done anything." He says, "I adjusted the dates because now when you right. read it in the in 2020, mm. the book is set in like 2017, the original version, <laughs> okay. because it was set after a nuclear apocalypse, and then yes. it's at 16 years after the nuclear apocalypse. And so this was written in the 1980s. The nuclear apocalypse happened in the 1990s, and then this book is then set in the like now. Yeah. And he says that's too confusing. I've updated the dates to make it more easy for people reading it in 2020 to understand it. So now this book is set in like 2047. Like they yeah. don't, they don't mention. It's not really mentioned that like it's Russia or whatever. It's sort of like oh, some bombs. There's a war, and it's kind of. I actually really appreciated this with this book. Normally, okay. I don't like authors going back and updating books because I was like, no, I want to read the book as it is. Yeah, but uh, it did make it and more. Like sh- like less, it made it less annoying to read because sometimes okay. you'll read a book which is set like in the past or part of it is set and you're like, wait, when was this written? You always have to mm. go, all right, so this is referring, and now all of that was taken off my head, my off my brain. Yeah. So maybe in 20 years time he'll update it again and say, <laughs> oh, okay, wait a second, this is actually now all happening in 2067 rather than yeah. 2047. Although by then maybe it has, uh, our world has moved so far off. Yeah. From that possibility that it's just a, a different, yeah, a different place and time. 
Anyway, I haven't really got to the story of this. The story is, I think, very, very clever. Post-apocalyptic time. This guy is going about, he's like this lone troubadour kind of person. He okay. he turns up somewhere and does some, like he's a English literature major or something. He survived the nuclear apocalypse. He survived the militias afterwards where, you know, the American, like the, the United States was kind of crumbling mm. around itself. And he survives through that. But because he knows some Shakespeare and he knows some sonnets and he knows some uh, speeches, you know, some whatever Abraham Lincoln speeches. And he would go out stand and do these speeches for right. these in these like little villages and hamlets and these little fortresses that people make. And they'll give him some food and then say, all right, that's it. You get for, for all of that. You get three days. You get three days food and board. We're, and then move on. Move on. <laughs> uh, but then he's attacked and he runs away and he loses all his gear. And he's stumbled into this old post vehicle and and then finds a dead postman's uh, corpse in there because this this post truck had driven off the road right um and so what he does is like well i've lost all my gear all my gear has been stolen mm. i don't have any boots i don't have a coat mm. i don't have anything so what he does he puts on the postman's boots and postman's postman's jacket and trousers and hat because that's all he has to go mm. and he arrives in the next village and then it, like then it goes it cuts to him in the next village doing his speech and everyone's like oh yeah your speeches are good you you know your one man hamlet was good mm. and they say uh, but uh, how about, have you got any post for us? And he's like, no. And they're like, all right. And so then it becomes, that he's like, no, I'm not a postman. I'm not a postman. Like, I just happen to have this. But when he leaves, he's like, well, I'm heading off to this next place. And everyone yeah. comes out and says, look, uh, my sister, uh, I've not spoken to my sister for right. 16 years, since, uh, but she lives down in Oregon somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So if you're going in that direction, can you just give give me this thing and I'll give you 10 pounds and then give, put some money. And of course, money's not worth anything. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's no currencies there yeah. or anything. So um, so then, yeah, he turns up. He turns up in the next town and there's some issues there. Mm. And he's like, oh, it's going to be really difficult for me to go in. He's like, all right, I'm going to go in all in on this postman. Uh, business thing. yeah yes. he goes out finds the nearest post office uses some official stamps he like he you know breaks into the into the back office uses it prints up some stuff like prints up some notices to say who he is yeah and then just walks up to the front gate and goes all right i'm here on official business from the reformed united states of america which is back <laughs> over in michigan or where like wherever he's come from there yeah. isn't any united no. states back in michigan yeah um and but he manages to pass it off, and then the rest of the book is him going. Well, not the rest of the book. The rest of that first section of the book is him going from town to town, right? Pretending to be an official United States postal worker, postal delivery worker, and an inspector for the reformed United States. <laughs> and his inspector is like, "Oh, look, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just saying that like we're getting the country back on its feet. So you have to have elections every two years." Like don't beat women. I can't remember. I can't even remember what it is. Oh, but right. like minimum okay. stuff. Like we're not gonna like no matter what you needed to do to get through all up to this point, we're not That's gonna fine. hold that against yep. you. But from now on, here's some minimum standards. And so he slowly respreads and he reforms these. Yeah, like, partially. Or yeah, like but that. I mean, he came up with the yeah. these reforms and this, spreads them. This is the main story that I remembered from my first time reading it. Yeah. And I think from watching the movie. But again, I have only very, 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 very vague memories of a movie that I watched 25 okay. years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's like the main thing. And mm. it's, that is the core of the story. That's why it's called The Postman. Okay. Um, so there's so that's a kind of... And then there's like a break in the story and suddenly you're in a different section of the story. And then that happens again. Like there's another break in the story and then you're different. And I was really feeling, wow, this, like, this really feels like three different, like, uh, parts of the of a book like yeah 
part one, part two, part three, and each one of them has, like, one of them is just the setup. Then the next two have, like, an introduction of, like, a new science fictional idea mm -hmm. and a new myth-making thing right you know like like yeah. he's been doing no yeah. not not like he's been doing because he's fake but then there's other kind of like what are the symbols that mm. actually bring can bring people together and restart the seeds of civilization and get america like i wouldn't even say america back on its feet because it's just like some towns in oregon yeah a civilization um, yeah. yeah but yeah and then it turns out i looked at the wikipedia page and it said um the first two parts were published separately as the postman in 1982 and cyclops in 1984 and then of course when it, they were put together in to a novel it's mm. like well i've got this third part mm -hmm. of the story because that you know there needs to be an end to the story right so let's put that in there and uh yeah and it works now what i want to say is that this book is very much then a book of three parts because it is a fix-up novel okay the first part i think is really good yeah and it's got some really fun like emotional core to it and like the symbolism is good you know you totally understand why in the movie there's kevin costner with an american flag yeah. it is very like yay american and i'm not really a yay american but it's very much it made me feel like wow this is like an american getting the best of america and do you know it mm. it works as yeah. a like yay flying american flag yeah it really does work okay like, even on me yeah. who isn't like that much into America. like federal government <laughs> inspectors and postal services in america or whatever yeah. it's really well written and i totally understand why people are into that and if you tell me that story as a pitch ah, oh, post-apocalypse post-apocalypse and then somebody gets a uh gets a you know accidentally restarts the united states mail service and connects lots of communities <laughs> together and restarts america yeah. in that way that is the perfect elevator pitch yeah. for a story and yeah. it works really well yeah part two is also very good but it's kind of like a left turn and i'm like oh you know and of course i read this book before but i remembered what i was thinking the first time i read it i was like oh yeah. yes of course it introduces uh, an ai uh, an artificial intelligence okay and the way that they this this was like new cutting edge artificial intelligence mm. and the way that they would demonstrate that they were real artificial intelligences in these in these small computers is that they would put them in a faraday cage mm. and you could walk into this faraday cage as a like as a person like at a world's fair and ask it questions and when all the bombs went off the faraday cage this one happened to be in its faraday cage right and all of the nuclear bombs went off in the in the top of the, of the in the air yeah uh, or uh, above space and they wiped out all electronics except this one artificial intelligence which happened to be in its faraday cage which mm. was normally used for demonstrations it happened to be in there so it's the last remaining artificial intelligence and by that it was protected and then and it was protected still there. yeah and it's this one little locus like in this university camp okay. campus in oregon it's the one like remaining thing so there's a whole story about that and the, and, the, and the kind of like the priesthood which has grown up around Cyclops. Okay. And then the last section of the book yeah. is not good. Oh, oh no. Unfortunately. Oh, that's a pity. It's not that it's not, it, put it this way. It's not terrible, yeah. but it doesn't feel like a continuation of the first two stories. Okay. Kind of see what David Brin is going for, mm. but no, it, it, it just misses. Mm. It, it's not like it introduces some like super soldier technology, like genetic engineering super soldier technology, which is fine. Okay. But none of that seemed to have been mentioned at all in the first two books. Of course it wasn't because they, they were, this third section was written <laughs> course, way later. Yeah. Like, oh, I could have gone back and put in a little bit more about this. Yeah. Um, was this then like created 
silently somewhere where nobody knew about it. Uh, well, like, which mean? How can you have suddenly super soldiers? Oh no, because without... it was a, it was a it was a secret uh, government was... uh, plan. No, and that, I don't. And I, I've got then... no issue with that. Yeah. Like secret super soldier program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like no problem. That is such a like typical science fiction mm-hmm. trope. Yeah, you know. Like, I myself have written novels around secret, like, super soldier programs. <laughs> yeah. Not in terms of genetic uh, genetic ability, but again, like, connecting minds together. And, yeah. You know, it's t- I've got no problem at all with that science fiction trope. Okay. But it just doesn't work. Also, it really brings into me, oh, like, the world has moved on a lot since the 1980s. And while s- some of the approach of, like, the like the uh, post-apocalypse and you're like oh then you're like oh when when there's these communities and they're running short of people they're like yeah we don't need any more men but we need more women you know all that thing like there's not enough but you understand like that does that is a like it is a kind of unfortunate but recognizable and real feeling um situation to be in like that you say oh we need more women yeah um and yes in the first two stories, the we need more women is, it feels like just natural world building. Yeah. And an, and an unfortunate side effect of the... Um, apocalypse. Of, of an apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. But then the kind of the, the when, where he kind of leans into that with the kind of subplot with the, with the, um, with these women soldiers and their plan that goes off. And it's just this thing where you go, wow, like you are writing at a very, what would be a very high level of difficulty in terms of like, is is this feminism that you're doing here? Like what, it just feels confused. You know, the whole of that third book feels confused in terms of world building, mm-hmm. in terms of story, and in terms of like the the society and sexism and, and you know, the other political stuff. Okay. That's in that third book, uh, in that third section of this book. Mm. And then there's a bit of a an, an epilogue at the end, which is fine, you know. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah. They, again, no. it's a book of three sections. The first, the first section, I think, is really, really good. Yeah. And the the middle section is very good. And then the third section is merely okay, and it's like a bit of a letdown from the first two thirds of the book. So, should you think of this book as like a, a like a short, short story collection? I think you could read just the first third of this book, stop reading, and in it's a perfectly good like novella. Right, and then you could read the second mm-hmm. short light like, section, and it's another perfectly good novella. You're like, oh, the continuing adventures of Gordon Krantz, this postman. Yeah, and then you could just not bother reading that third section. Like again, it's not bad, but it diminishes the first part. It's oh, like no. it's yeah, it, you weakens, don't want that to it weakens the novel it put together. So as I'm reading it, I'm like, wow, I'm really moved by this first section. It's very clever. I like Gordon Krantz as a character. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's really working. The second section, like, oh this is a bit interesting because it's like a bit more gentle. Like there's it's less about the you know, it's less about the nasty post apocalypse of be- people being hunted down and killed. <laughs> yeah. And then the third section is like back and makes it even more dangerous. Like, oh, everything's dangerous. There's mm. an invasion. It's really tricky. And, and I'm just like, oh, I'm just not feeling it then by mm. that point. Okay. Um. So, yeah. So it's like the mood has changed. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think the third section diminished. The thing is, if I was just reading that third section, I would actually enjoy it quite a bit because the super soldier thing is interesting. The politics is like there is stuff to go in there. But following up on the first two books, like I... Okay. I... I don't know. 
So how about reading the third section first? No, 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 no. It doesn't work. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying there's a better reading order. It is a novel. It does work as a novel. Okay. But it's not a great novel. It's merely a good novel. Mainly because of the last part. It's it's a very good novel for the first two thirds. Right. Let down by the third, third. The third, third. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it'd be difficult to rate because mm. again, my reading enjoyment was very high. Mm. But I also the first time I read it remember being quite disappointed by the ending mm. and it's and just to give away something small is that the ending normally when you get like who's the big bad big bad guy oh this is the big bad guy and you want there to be a showdown between our main guy and the, the big bad guy yeah. but there isn't because he's a super soldier and the postman's just a postman actually he's a he's a very good like survivalist he's a very good scout like yeah. he knows he's survived 16 years traveling around he knows Pretty how to good. shoot a gun yeah. he knows how to shoot a bow yeah. and arrow yeah. he's good at tactics he's a good he's a charismatic an accidental charismatic leader mm. because he's an actor you know he does this acting stuff and it turns <laughs> yeah. out if you need to go to give a good rousing speech you can do that yeah. like people look up to you just because i know mean, you're good looking i don't know how it works out yeah. but um but yeah, at the end, of course, he can't take on a super soldier. No. So another, a good super soldier turns up and uh, and fights this. The fights bad super and, soldier. And, and, and I remember, oh, that's interesting that the main showdown isn't between our main character and the main antagonist here mm. at the end of the book, yeah. the main baddie. It's sort of like, oh, it, but no, it again, it's a difficult thing to pull off. And weirdly, he does pull it off. Like I am like, oh yes, this is this is the victory. This is the victory he was going for. Okay. To get this, to get the good super soldier into the battle to fight with him, that was his mission. Oh, I see. His mission oh. wasn't to single-handedly beat this other guy in battle. The his, reason his he was there was to be actually the sympathetic actor, uh, hope-giving yeah, character to, to bring uh, people in, to uh -huh. bring people in, and mm. get get some get this su the good super soldier to fight alongside him, being the charismatic, convincing and he, and he person. Works. Yeah. It is kind of disappointing. And I totally understand, again, probably thinking about it in the movie, I don't remember any super soldiers coming in. I, I think it is the main confrontation at the end of that movie. I guess I'm guessing, because I don't remember it being different, is Kevin Costner fighting the bad guy, like right. the main bad guy himself. Because that makes sense. Yeah. Because he's fucking Kevin Costner. Yeah. You don't want Kevin don't... <laughs> Costner to be there and suddenly, and stand... you know, get some, like, professional wrestler to turn up. You know, you always get, like, the big guys to yeah. come in who, uh, like, professional wrestler who's, like, way bigger and just come in and, like, beat someone down and go oh i'll beat him up for you and you're like yeah i mean it can work like that can be done yeah but yeah it 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 works but is also unsatisfying narratively let me quickly head across to my notes here because um uh oh yeah it really was a fix-up novel uh updated dates by the author oh here's something that i want to talk about hmm. i find it interesting that so many of the main characters in these books from this period yes. are people who are very literate. They studied, st they stu they're, they're very well studied in their letters. You know, they studied literature. Yes. Like, and this comes through so clearly in, in stories where it makes a lot of sense, like Fahrenheit, uh, uh, Fahrenheit 451. Four, 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 yeah. Um, it makes sense that the, the characters in there are quoting Shakespeare and, Mayville yep. and all these yep. other people yep. to each other yep. because it's a story about books. Yes. But then 
it feels like all of the authors who are writing in these books, Kim Stanley Robinson, David Brin, yeah. all these other people, they're putting themselves into the novels. And of course, they're the people who know the Shakespeare because they're the well-read people. They're the ones who yes. went to yes. the, the, did the, what do they call it? The, um, the Ivy League colleges. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. The liberal arts. They're the people who did the yeah. liberal arts yeah. educations and read all the right books. They read all the canonical books, the, yeah. the great American novels, all these different things. They know all that stuff. And then the main characters in their books always seem to be very, like, up to speed with this. They're like, oh. And the book that I read, Quarter Share, what was his mother? His mother was a professor of literature at yeah. the university. So he was well read. Like yeah. He's named he's named Ishmael uh, after, you know, Moby Dick. You yeah. know? And it just seems that so many of these, ta- like, so much of these, so many of these books seem to be, like... And I don't mind it. Author insert is good, but like it feels like too many of these books put too much waiting on other people knowing in the in the world that they're writing, mm. other people knowing and admiring people who can quote Shakespeare. Mm. And actually in the real world, that isn't the case. In the world of people who read science fiction, that might be the case. Yeah. Like the person in the book isn't talking to the other people in the world that the author has created. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. They are talking to the readers of the book who also feel like, oh yes, books, knowing knowing all knowing the quotes and having read the right books is is a valid thing, you know. And this is always the I I have thought about that before as well. And every single person who thinks about these kind of tropes okay in a uh, post-apocalypse mm-hmm. would i be the person to survive mm. and then you think oh um how can i m- write something or create something yeah. <laughs> that makes my skills important irrelevant, and they, skills. irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. because every sane person would think you know the people who would probably survive are engineers uh people who have knowledge into how things work yeah actually how things work people who have proper woodworking skills i don't know bakers or whoever like skills that are really on the basis of human existence and um and then maybe a few entertainers because the people who are surviving also still need entertainment yeah and um and so the um the amount of poets that survive the post-apocalypse, I think, like that is presented us uh, to us in novels, really does not reflect, yeah, the the the, the odds that yeah. are actually uh, yeah, how like, it actually would be. I just like I like you to think like how would I do in a post-apocalypse? But this also reminds me of Ready Player One, mm. where the author has inserted himself <laughs> into the book, where it's sort of like, okay, how can I construct a world where yeah. my <laughs> set of skills and my knowledge, and this time it isn't who can show, quote Shakespeare and who no. knows which of the novels of the great novels of the past and who mm-hmm. knows the addresses of this and that. It's like who can who can. Uh, what what is it in the book? I think there's well, a it's the biggest post uh, uh, um, pop culture knowledge. Yeah, but I think one of the tasks that he has to do is they have to like remember the words from the scene of war games or something. They have to recreate war games. So yeah. that I'll I'll play the part of yeah. uh, of Matthew Broderick or whatever, and you played the part of. Um, 
uh, whoever, whoever. I don't remember any of the actors. Oh, so I, this is not my skill. But they actually, I think, in the book, they have to, uh, they have to like, r- r- like say that backwards and forwards. Yes. Of course, in the movie, they're like, "We'll do a car chase," but I'm like, "Yeah, whatever." Uh, worked in the movie for me but that's the same kind of thing like what how do I make it so my skills as me as an author the skills that I have how do I make the or my interests how do I make those be the thing which allows me the same thing with the we are we are Bob no what is it we are Legion we are Bob it's sort of like oh I'm going to explore the world just so happens I'm a really big Star Trek fan and that's going to come in very handy for me to be able to explore the universe and the the thing is that the person writing a book like that yeah will by writing this um talk to a certain subset of yeah. people who are exactly the same and then yeah. they recognize themselves in the book and think oh yeah if in this in this specific case my skills and my yeah. knowledge and my what i nerd out about yeah. will be well, handy well, oh that's I too great can do a one man hamlet show uh, yeah. but actually the, the interesting yeah. thing about this book it's is actually that's not the important part the important part is community and connections between yeah. communities yeah which is, of course, and also what Mark hap- happening to be charismatic and <laughs> being good at holding speeches convincingly. Uh, all right. Anything Maybe this else? is a short episode. That might be a short episode. Oh, other things. Uh, just ra- randomly about this book that I just want to bring up, which mm. I think is quite interesting now. Um, it turns out the post-apocalypse, the, the bombs falling isn't the thing that wiped everybody out because it was it was called like the you know the one week war okay. <laughs> some bombs fell yeah some stuff in space yeah that set off the bombs in space to wipe out electronics okay and you're like oh that's it that's it then no actually that was fine oh but then some outbreaks of disease so then uh, there was some disease, disease. Yeah. and then there was some climate stuff mm. and then they're like well the united states seemed to be getting back on you know board like it was it was holding on for a few years after all of this apocalypse yeah, yeah. but then you get the the there was a character called let me quickly look on the wikipedia page um i think they're called the holmnists um which is uh uh, Nathan Holm was a uh, yeah uh, was an author who championed a violent misogynistic and militaristic society and this he tapped into all the survivalists oh, you know the people in America yes. who build the, compounds the preppers yeah the preppers and the survivalists in this book mm-hmm. they're not called preppers they're called survivalists mm-hmm. and Nathan then he appealed to all of these survivalists mm-hmm. and said we need to start killing this was like just after the uh, you know in the in the few years after the war we need to start like destroying these other communities we need to like break up these supply lines between them and do it and that was actually then the killing blow to civilization Ah, yes was the wholeness and and nathan holm was already dead by this point or maybe he died in straight away afterwards yeah but he'd become such a leader and then all of these roving bands of wholeness these survivalists Mm. um not all survivalists had signed up to being a wholeness but yeah. they all kind of they in the end they were kind of treated as a group um all the homeless us were previously survivalists yeah yeah oh, yeah all all, all yeah. uh wholeness were survivalists so then in this book survivalists just becomes don't go near those people they're dangerous you yeah. don't do it yeah. and i know it's weird to bring it back to 2020 and 2021 mm-hmm. and this uh in this um you know the co- reaction to covid but it's this like one to like it feels to me like a not a one to one, but like you go well. This doesn't make sense. Why would anyone do stuff which would obviously be damaging, like so obviously be da- damaging to society and so self centered and self 
if, uh, I don't know, and also self-damaging because yeah. also oh, society yes. doesn't Absolutely. work if you only look out for yourself and you only get and don't care about, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. It feels yeah. so obvious. Yeah. And in the book, you're like, this is these villains could almost be such a cartoon villain. Mm-hmm. And then you look in America and you're like, all it takes is for a few charismatic people with a with a radio show and, uh, and a TV show yeah. to say, oh, actually, what you should do is like take horse tranquilizer medicine or whatever those things are. Or don't de-wormer. take this. Horse yeah, de-wormer. Wormer, yeah. Whatever the different things are, just do that. And people are like, oh, great. No, I'm I'm going to not vaccinate myself to own the libs. And you're like, what does that even, like, how, like, yes. all of these people don't, who are don't like, even not do this, not do this. And then you're like, there's whole Reddit threads, which yeah. are just, here's people who made public pronouncement as public figures who mm. said, I'm not going to take this and you shouldn't take, you know, you shouldn't be vaccinated either. Followed by their obituary saying, oh, yeah, they died in COVID. And, and you're like, oh, okay. Now, it isn't. You know, COVID isn't making any, there's no, we're not living in a post-apocalyptic world. Mm. But it really did like drive home to me that like, no matter what you think is like too crazy yeah. for fiction, the current world and, and, and 2020 Proofs is just Shogun. Oh, right. There are people. And I totally understand when people are going, oh, maybe there's different things. Maybe we should, like in Sweden, where they're going, we're going to we're gonna not lock everything down and we're going to mm. go for herd immunity. And you know what the numbers are? They've had as many COVID deaths per person as Germany and all these other places which really locked down. Yeah. I mean, not New Zealand or, yes. or yeah, Taiwan yeah. Yeah, or some of these other places. Um, but yeah, it, it turns out there are some things and plus and minuses, but like not getting vaccinated and taking poisons is like... That's that's the limit. You understand yes. people go, ah, oh, mask wearing something. I'm not yeah. apologizing for that because I do think mask wearing is what people like is a sacrifice people should make and yeah. social distancing, you know, there's a balance to be struck there. Mm. But there isn't a balance of saying, No, I'm not going to get vaccinated and also I'm gonna send my schools and fight against mask mandates in schools and also take poison. Yes. Uh, just to own or the libs. Bleach or whatever they like <sighs> I don't I didn't even know. The thing is, with these um you know, I I used to watch quite a lot of these catastrophe movies. Yeah, and in the end, they always come back down to um, you have people who don't listen to the scientists. Yeah, <laughs> you have uh, a dog or a child that doesn't do what they're supposed yeah, to yeah, do, yeah, yeah. and then catastrophe happens. You can list off the tropes. You can list off, the, and then you watch these movies and think like. Yeah, you know what? Humanity can't be that stupid. And now these two last two years have shown me exactly humanity is... Can be that stupid. No, no, no. It's not that it is that stupid. But it has enough stupid people amongst it that I I just can't see the, the... You know, humans deserve this. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. saying. I'm not saying that they're going to like be the death of society or anything. But it is one of those things where like if humanity has been knocked down by stupidity, I'm not saying that like, oh, this nuclear war just happened by accident. Mm. You know, it's like a natural disaster. No, whatever is going to happen, like, you know, natural, not natural, whatever. It does feel like the knockout blow for civilization could be some self-centered stupid misguided people following a charismatic leader to destruction and let me tell you something what's that and i know this is um uh, generalizing as hell but guess what it's probably going to be a man <laughs> a man with manly misogynistic yay let's kill other people i would say whatever. i would say uh, i 100 percent agree with you mm-hmm. but when i was saying before about the like doing 
feminism on hard mode in the third section of this book, mm-hmm. actually, it's attempting to say what would a dangerous, self-harmful, charismatic leader who is a woman mm. be like mm. for other women? And how would that work out? Probably not work well either. Because this book is dealing with both sides yeah, of that. Yeah. And yeah. Like I say, it's it's working on hard mode. I don't think it completely hits it. Mm. But again, that third section is David Bryn going, right, here's some challenges. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And that's what makes it not work for me. Because yeah, okay. you're like, really? Oh, and then another one, you're like, ah, oh, really? This is where it's going to go? Yeah. Like there's this whole bit where they're like, so this this little area of people who are going to go is sort of like some ranchers with the Native American population get together to start a society and they're fighting against they're fighting against these dangerous survivalist rednecks. And I'm like, in my head of understanding of rural Oregon, it would probably be the other way around. Mm-hmm. It would be like the survivalists and the ranchers getting together to fight against the Native Americans. Again, that's just off the top of my head, the way that I'm reading it. But this book presents something different. Mm-hmm. And so the third, like I say, all the way through this book is like, or the three, the three sections is sort of like, here's your expectations, but what if this? And you're like, oh, that's really good. And the next one is like, oh, here's what you think, but maybe what if this? And you're like, great. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is sort of like, confused world building and unsatisfying storytelling and you're like oh it's not the same yeah confused world building and unsatisfying storytelling isn't the same thing as i'm gonna challenge you, you know? right where is david Bryn from well, um, he his... must be from america i mean that's what i'm asking david Bryn is a scientist speaker and world-known author in multiple hugos and nebulas um He frequently appears on TV. Look, that the fact that it doesn't say that he's an American author means that he's an American author. Because right. if he was from anywhere else except from America... It would be mentioned. It would be mentioned that he is from uh, America. Where is he from? Doesn't he have a Wikipedia page? Does he not have biography. the Wikipedia page open for the book? Uh, you can just click on his... David Brin, <laughs> I could have just done it there. Yeah. He's from Glendale, California. Right. So near Oregon... Yeah, this is definitely this is definitely like West, Kim West Stanley Coast. Robinson wrote about Orange County because of Ray Grew. Yeah, and then this is sort of like oh, someone who's yeah. holidayed yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot in yeah. Oregon. It's quite funny because I was mentioning it, we watched a mountain bike video. Who happened to be sort of like oh, if you if you're just coming through here, just and you want a mountain bike here, just it's like an hour away from these. And he actually mentioned two of the locations that are in this book, oh, you right. know, on yeah, that yeah, YouTube yeah. on the yes. mountain biking YouTube video. Yes. So this is a well-known area of yeah. Oregon. It's like the it's like the central strip. You get the mountains by the coast. You got all the desert highlands in the middle, and then you got this central little strip where it's actually livable in Oregon. Okay, that's funny. Yeah, but yes, of course, like if you're an author. You, you're probably gonna write about a place that you are familiar with otherwise you you yeah you're in unknown territory and it's much safer to write about places that you actually know about yeah so this is west coast american apocalyptic novel i'd like to take writing. it back i thought he was just going to be a, 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 a an author person but it turns out he's got a bachelor of science in astronomy uh, he earned a master of science in electrical engineering optics and is a doctor of ooh, philosophy ooh, ooh. uh Uh, no, a Doctor of Philosophy degree in astronomy. So it it seems like he a postdoctoral research at the California Space Institute at the University of California. So I'm I must apologize to him. He isn't just somebody who read a lot of uh, of novels is and is then putting a, himself. No, an he, English literature no, major. Because his hard science fiction, which is you know his uplift novels, is yeah. that's proper science fiction. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that he's got a space a background in like proper space science, like Alistair Reynolds. He yeah. worked for the but, European Space Agency and optical stuff. But also knows Shakespeare, obviously, and also. I I think um, he would be the person to survive in a post-apocalyptic time. 
maybe. maybe. I don't know. I don't I, know. I, I know. I you get these people who are like really like so like post-apocalypse because they think like oh I, that, like they do all the solutioneering and mm. they're like oh I would do this and I would do that. But that's why I actually really liked about the 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 book. Um, oh, I just I just highlighted it here on this page here. Earth abides because right. that's by somebody that's about somebody who thinks he would be good at surviving. Mm-hmm. But you read the book and you're like you're terrible at this. <laughs> like you're there's the whole library down there and you're not doing anything. You're just ignoring it. You're not <laughs> saving the knowledge for the future. And like all the way through the book, you're like you're terrible. What are you doing? And at the end of the book, like this lesson is yeah, he thought he was going to be good at this, but like Earth <laughs> abides it. without him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's just what happens. I yeah. I'm to- I would totally be bad. I would so- be so so useless in uh in any kind of ca- catastrophic event. Yeah. And I'm always thinking like, oh, I'm really happy I have Luke with me because <laughs> he probably has a little bit more knowledge about some bits and pieces. And um, yeah. if I just then follow really what he says, I might be okay. <laughs> I don't know. I th- like growing up. As I did, yes. being a very outdoorsy kind of person, exactly. having a father who was even more of a crazy outdoors person. Army trained. Uh, yeah, trained in the army, officer in the British army, yeah. did all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I've had like my... Crazy childhood. My crazy childhood would <laughs> would prepare me quite well for not this kind of thing. Like, you know... <laughs> <laughs> you know what actually what would actually make me better in this book mm. is me playing computer games and knowing about line of sight and how to get from one like how to get a fi- get across a field without being shot oh, by right. people who okay. are you know playing well, PUBG you've not, or something. You, you've only done it in your head and on your with your fingers. Yeah, but not, oh no no, I'd still just die straight away. <laughs> but I'm saying like some of the, some of the tactics yeah. that you read about in this book and you know you see in these movies. We're just actually talking about um, the. Uh, we're talking what is it Gänsemarsch oh Gänsemarsch oh Gänsemarsch we're, yeah. talk, we're trying to work out the what the um, German word for single file is and they don't have a, a single word for single file no it's it's not um, quite straight translation yeah and you were saying Entengangen or Enten, whatever yeah. It was and it wasn't duck walk it was goose march but that's not yes. goose stepping like the Germans would do it's like walking in single file yeah and uh, we were talking about the movie uh, Last of the Mohicans where they do this thing they all walk single file down the track and they just all die yeah it's not. Um, it's not. It's not a good thing to do yeah. out in the open like that. Hey, I just thought maybe I should watch the movie, the Postman. The Postman movie. I, w- I totally thought where you were saying I would like to watch it because for some reason, was there like another movie with a postman where like it's like a romance thing where the postman comes rings the doorbell when the the postman knocks uh, always knocks when twice. The, yes, the postman. <laughs> the postman always knocks twice. I that's think that's the, a novel, isn't it? I think that's a. That's a movie. It's like this kind of weird. Uh, the postman rings always. I'll just type that in. The postman always rings twice. Yes. Oh no! It is a nineteen forty six film. Yes. Uh, An adaptation there, of a novel. That, oh, so there, it was a novel. Another, that, I think there's another movie, a later movie. No. Anyway, that's the kind of movie I had in my head when you talked about the postman, uh, <laughs> and so I was totally confused. I might have watched this movie though, the postman, the. The David Brin. Oh, look at this! The, the Postman always rings twice. It was the third filming. So they, there was actually uh, uh, the novel was filmed in 1939, 1943, and then again in 1946. So just imagine one book being turned and into. And there's th- not another one. I thought there was a more recent. I don't. Know. Ni- 80s, 90s book. Oh, 1980, 80, yeah, 1981 the film. The Postman always D- rings twice. Look at this poster. Oh yeah. That's the kind of thing I thought where you were Jack talking Nicholson about. Jack Nicholson there, yeah. 
so yeah, there's four film versions of it. Uh, of a 1934 novel, and three of those films were made within five years yeah. of each other. It's so, so crazy. It's, you know, people are always complaining about, oh, they're remaking Spider-Man again. But that was that was three movies. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this when you said you read a book, The Postman, that is the kind of thing that came to my head. I don't know. And I thought, I, to be honest, how was this I science actually, fiction? I actually don't want to watch the the Kevin Costner movie, The no. Postman. No, because I've got a good feeling about this story in my okay. head now from this. And I think watching the movie, I'll just be disappointed. Probably. Don't re-watch movies from the 80s and 90s. Just Unless don't do they're it. Mad Max. M- Mad Max is good, <laughs> but has now been superseded by Mad Max Fury Road. Absolutely. All of the good things that are in Mad Max, yeah. Mad Max Road Warrior yeah. and Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome, mm. all... All three of those. No, Road Warrior is the first one. No, Road Warrior is the second. Anyway, which all of the three movies. Yeah, they took all of the good stuff from all three of them and put them into Mad Max Fury Road. Yes, you don't need to go back. Yep. If you do go back, all you're doing is going back to see the source to material understand that where that, stuff uh, is coming from. Yeah, that what's his name? Some the, whoever the director was, writer and director. He did all four movies. He understood what was good about those first three movies yep. and just went, "I'm going to supersede all of these." Yeah, with a non-sequel. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Anyway, the postman, David. The postman. Brin. This postman didn't always ring twice, but he did shoot people in the face. <gasps> Sometimes. Ooh. All right, David Brin, the postman. What's the rating going to be? Because that first half of the book is like really, really good. Yeah. Let down by the third half, mm. third part. That sounds would... like it comes down to the middle. Such a boring rating, but three and a half stars, yeah, which means very, yeah. it means good, yeah. worth reading, yeah. but not like really good, like a four star novel or yeah. fantastic, like a five star novel. Yeah, yeah. So three and a half stars. Okay. Luke's most boring average rating for a book, which is like, oh, it's really good. And then the third, the last third is lacking. I a bit. definitely recommend the first two. The first two thirds of this book, I really recommend. I think okay. it was very well done. Good. Cool. Are the, the audiobook, like, yeah, actually, the audiobook is very good. Um, the The narrator is a guy called Kevin Kennelly. Okay. Who I... Uh, actually, let me click on his name because I did recognize his... Wait, it's not that I recognize his voice. It's more like you, you kind of start recognizing the uh, performance. Oh, yeah, he he re- recorded The Running Man by Stephen King, mm-hmm. which I definitely know I listen to as an audiobook. Maybe if I go through, I'd find other um, audiobooks that he... Quite a lot. But very well done. He do, He has a good voice. He He does... He he does a thirty-five-year-old man very well. You know? <laughs> yeah, cool. Okay. Also, audibletrial.com forward slash sfbrp. The link works if you oh. want to sign up for a free trial for audio Audible, and I do recommend it because I'm listening to all of these audiobooks. And like we are satellites, I didn't like it. I just was like, no, I want my credit back. Give me give me my credit back. I didn't like this book. No questions asked. They're just like, yep, yeah, pick a different book for yourself. Sweet. So I that's like totally that policy. Fine. Two for one offers, like with the thing, which again with with uh, with Nemesis mm-hmm. by Asimov, which I didn't do. And the next book that I'm going to read, or that I've already started, I've only got like an hour left of this novel. Oh no! Oh um, no! I need to continue reading. Is let me have a look. Is The Big Time by Fritz Leiber, okay. which I have never read, and it's a Hugo Award novel. Okay. But it's 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 such it's one of those ancient ones. Really, you shouldn't read Hugo Award novels from before like the 1980s, you know. Okay. They're, they're all terrible. Right. I've In never fact, heard half of this of them book. Since I've then never heard of this author. But some of those early novels were like whose turn is it to win an audible uh, it's not an audible. Uh, whose turn is it to win a Hugo Award? It's oh, you. <laughs> so this yeah. is a this is a, one of the free audible libraries and I've never read it before. Okay. And so next episode unless you, 
before I can read the last two hours of a uh, listen to the last two hours of an audiobook, can Yuliana read the last fifteen percent of Absolution Gap? This is the thing. Will I still will have Luke half do... a Sunday left? Yeah, uh, that's the next thing. What will the next episode be? Will it be The Big Time by Fritz Leiber, or will it be Absolution Gap by Alistair Reynolds, a book that I read six novels yeah. ago? You can send you can send us your voting about this. No, on just look in your podcast feed. It'll be out in like three days. <laughs> All right, that's it from us. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Luke Burge. Yuliana is also on Twitter at J-U-K-U. How long did you delete the uh, Twitter app from your phone for? Two days. Two days. And it's back. It's back. It needs to go again. It needs to... <laughs> you just need to look at it less. Oh. Take no, away... It's, it's, go it's through nice. Your... It's calming me. It's like nice. I'm not doom scrolling. Yeah, not doom scrolling. I'm yeah. just... You're looking at National Geographic posts and Snopes.com. <laughs> yeah. And it's good stuff. Mm. Anyway, uh, if you want to support us financially, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash Luke Burridge. Really handy. Again, mostly for juggling stuff. If you want to follow along with He's my... Uh, building an epic machine. Yeah, my magnet juggling machine, which people really like has been uh, reposted on Instagram a few times now as well. Yeah. Got thousands of likes on Instagram, me demonstrating my magnet juggling machine. So check that out on Instagram as well um, or YouTube. But really, Patreon is for people supporting me. I've just spent about, what was it, 940 euros making a magnet juggling machine. So thank you very much for all my Patreon supporters. That's generally where the money is going. Yeah. Um, But also, we do have a few science fiction book review podcast listeners who are supporting us via Patreon. And that helps. You get free podcasts. And that helps with us also buying books like yeah it know. is actually really handy it um, is very good thank so, you so much so thank you that, to everyone audibletrial.com forward slash sfbap the link is working again those that's uh they, they changed over the system there yeah but there's still the same link as before but that's cool. it thanks a lot for listening and we'll catch you next time goodbye <laughs>